Good morning everyone, this is Kathleen Dillahunt and this morning I'm going to be talking about the fact that we do not wrestle against flesh and blood but against principalities which are demonic princes, powers which are demonic magistrates, jurisdiction and judges, rulers of darkness of this age which are mind idolatry demons and attack our mind and hosts of wickedness in high places which are a nebula of gnats or a whole lot of demonic flies under the control of Beelzebub, Lord of the Flies, that come and influence our atmosphere and come and try and attack us in our daily life. These are around us all the time and we need to learn to walk in authority against them. So principalities, powers, rulers of darkness of this age, hosts of wickedness in high places. Now the Bible says we do not wrestle people. People come under the influence of these demons. But we do stand against the forces of darkness. We know that we are sons of God, that we have been given authority on earth. The Bible says that God gave the earth to his children. The enemy was thrown into the kingdom of darkness. He is the prince of darkness, Ephesians 2 says. But we have authority over the earth once we are born again, spirit-filled, and walk as sons of God. Now, every level of demonic onslaught has different types of demonic forces controlling them, and we have to understand the, the areas that we have authority over. So I'm going to start with the weakest demons first, and those are the hosts of wickedness in high places. As I said, they are like demonic flies. They fly into the atmosphere. They come to do five things. They tempt, torment, tire, terrorize, and troublemake. They are like fiery darts that look for a way to be able to come in and to permeate our atmosphere and then they take a hold of our imagination. If they can get you to imagine according to their purpose, they have got you because what you imagine you will think, what you think you will feel and what you feel you will become. So they attack the imagination of the person. They tempt through trying to open our eye gates and our ear gates to that which is sordid. They torment by bombarding us, our atmosphere, and letting the atmosphere be filled with fear and anxiety, and then we come into agreement with that. They bring, they tire, so we're always feeling exhausted and tired, and feeling like you don't have energy to come against them. So it brings incredible fatigue into our lives. And they troublemake. They will bring confusion between the children. They will bring irritation between husband and wife. They will cause electrical appliances to suddenly all break all together. Suddenly the fridge goes, the, the TV goes, the, the kettle goes, all at the same time because they, they attack the finances. So they just troublemake. Now the Bible says in Isaiah 61, Jesus speaking, he, he quoted this over himself. He says, the spirit of the sovereign Lord is on me. He has anointed me to preach the good news to the poor. Then it says to heal the brokenhearted, to set the captives free, and to release from prison those that are in prison. So we see that where the hosts of wickedness have come in and they've attacked our heart or our imagination, they have literally caused us to become broken hearted. They have interfered with our imagination and our thought patterns. And so the way that we fight this is that we just resist the devil and he will flee. We rise up in the authority when that arrow, the fiery dart of the evil one comes and tries to take his, his landing pad in our imagination. We take authority in the name of Jesus. You stand if, if the atmosphere shifts, you take authority over the atmosphere, you plead the blood of Jesus. The blood of Jesus is very powerful. 
taking some grape juice and anointing your house with the blood of Jesus, repenting for anything that could have come in to, to influence the atmosphere and, and just pleading the blood of Jesus, placing your home and your family back under the blood, breaking bread together. There's incredible power in the blood of Jesus and the host of wickedness cannot come in and attack while we keep our lives and our homes covered by the power of the blood of Jesus. Worship cleans the atmosphere, keeping our hearts free of unforgiveness, blessing those who persecute us. Just operating under the anointing of the kingdom of heaven keeps our atmosphere free. And the moment that you feel your atmosphere is bombarded again, you just take authority. Do not fight each other. Stop. Recognize what it is. It's atmosphere demons that have come in to cause chaos. Take authority over them, pray together, keep the unity in the home strong, and keep the atmosphere pure. And that is how we fight at the first level. We've been anointed to heal the brokenhearted. So where the enemy has come in with his fiery dart and try to cause chaos in our heart or our imagination, we just stop the process, take authority, plead the blood of Jesus, resist the devil and he will flee, and recognize it is a demonic onslaught and it is not each other. Once you do that, you never have to worry about anything further because if you stop the onslaught and the imagination, he cannot come any further. But if we don't stop the onslaught on the imagination, and friends, you have authority wherever God has placed you, in your home, in your town, in your street, at your workplace, you have authority in every single place where you are, Act 1726, to be able to usher in peace. Peacemakers are atmosphere changers. And God says, blessed are the peacemakers. They will be called sons of God. They change atmospheres. So you can change atmosphere wherever you go. You can take authority over this level of onslaught wherever God has given you permission to be. That is why it's so vital that we are where God's opened the door for us to be and we don't flee from there because you don't have authority for where you flee to. You have authority for where God's placed you. He says he knows the exact times and places that we are to live. We have authority over our children's behavior, Pray over them when they're sleeping, when they're under the age of accountability, taking authority over this. And when they are at the age of accountability, which is about 12, 13, teach them to take authority in their own right because God sees them as accountable before him. So that's a very quick summary of how to stand against the hosts of wickedness. It says in Ephesians 6 that we are to put on the full armor of God. And so we stand dressed in the full armor of God, our minds and our thoughts and our imagination covered by the helmet of salvation, our breastplate of truth, I mean our shield of truth, where we hold up truth. When the enemy comes in with deception, lies and onslaught, you hold up the truth. This is the truth. Our breastplate of righteousness, it's his righteousness that puts us in right standing. It's his power and it's his blood, but we come protected by that. Standing behind that, saying that I stand in full righteousness because of the power of the blood of Jesus, the belt of truth, that we've only girded ourselves with truth, with nothing else. We haven't listened to the media. We haven't listened to the, to the deception and the lies of, of, of people out there that are not talking according to the word of God. Only the truth of the word. Jesus is the only truth. We've got um, our, our feet shared with the gospel that wherever you walk, you're bringing the word of God. You're bringing the revelation of salvation and then of course the sword of the spirit um, the sword of the spirit that is our defense that in every situation the word says this is what the word says and you hold up the word of God and that is the report that you believe so we resist the host of wickedness and they have to flee 
Remember, they tempt, torment, tire, terrorize, or troublemake. And we've been anointed to heal the brokenhearted when they've come in to try and break our hearts by feeding a seed of evil into our imagination. Now, should we not resist them, we go to the next level, which is the rulers of darkness of this age. And these are mind idolatry demons. These are demons that attack our mind. They come at our mind. So they are behind the, the mind idolatry demons are the philosophy, Eastern philosophies, the wisdom of this world, intellectualism, religious spirits. It's all kind of mind control. Remember, we have a mind, we have intelligence, but the moment that mind comes under the influence of demons, we start having intellectual demons or Eastern philosophies that try and take a hold of our reasoning. They attach themselves and they alter the way we see, the way we perceive and the way we understand. They blind us. 2 Corinthians 4, 4 says the God of this world, the rulers of darkness of this world has blinded the eyes of the unbeliever so that they cannot see. Now an unbeliever is not a pagan. An unbeliever is anyone that doesn't believe the way that he should, according to the level of faith that God has given us. Everyone's been given a level of faith. The, the power gifts of the Holy Spirit in 1 Corinthians gives us an, an injection of faith. Galatians 5, the, the gifts of the fruit of the Spirit, which changes us, transforms us, gives us a gift of faith. So everything, every part of the Godhead gives us faith. But if you do not walk according to the faith you've been given, you are an unbeliever because you are not believing the way that you should. And then your eyes are blinded. The God of this world... The rulers of darkness of this age has blinded the eyes of the unbelievers so that they cannot see. It also says that we are given a spirit of stupor. We walk around as if we don't see what's going on and we don't know what's going on and as if, as if we're in a dwell. That's when we come under this level of a dem demonic attack. It attacks our mind. So once it's got in with a host of wickedness into our imagination, it now takes a hold of the way we reason and the way we think. Remember I said that if you imagine it, you'll think it. If you think it, you'll feel it. If you feel it, you'll become it. And that's what the enemy is working at. So we have been taken captive. We have been, it's, it's, it's attached to our mind. And we become under a spirit of stupor. We cannot see. And the worst thing is to try and talk to somebody that is under this because they literally are blind. They can't hear you. They don't understand. You can't get through to them. Now, what is our weapon of warfare when it comes to seeing somebody like that? Well, this is where God has given us keys. And I've heard these keys being used so poorly and so badly. And remember, a key will only unlock a door if you use the right key. And God says in, in Matthew 16, verse 19, and Matthew 18, 18, I have given you the keys. What's bound on earth is bound in heaven. And what's loosed on earth is loosed in heaven. Remember, these people are bound. They cannot see. They've been taken captive. It's the second level of anointing of Isaiah 61. Heal the brokenhearted, set the captives free. They've been taken captive. They are bound and they are blinded. They cannot see. So I pray for them when they're not there, when we've got somebody that we love and are concerned about, that are caught up under this demonic onslaught on the mind. And remember, they'll be involved in things like Eastern philosophies, in yoga, under religious spirits, under some form of false um, cultic beliefs, intellectual spirits. They'll be caught up under the wisdom of this world. They'll call themselves atheists because they're caught up under the wisdom of this world. It's everything that involves the, the, the haughtiness of the, the mind being the most important thing. 
and, and anybody that is captured by their mind and they cannot see spiritual things. And that is where the keys of heaven are so effective. So how do we do it? Well, God and Jesus themselves, the Trinity gives us the absolute clarity. We never take one scripture and use one scripture out of context. That is not doctrine. Doctrine is repeated throughout the word of God. Well, it says in Jeremiah 13, 11, I think it is, or 11, 13, I often get confused. It says um, that God said to Jeremiah, Jeremiah, go, go buy yourself a girth or a belt. And the way that you tie that belt around you is the way that I tie Israel to me. So when we're binding and we're loosing, it's talking about binding and loosing people, not demons. Secondly, we bind people to God. Jesus says that he's been anointed to heal the brokenhearted and to set the captives free. So we loose people from the onslaught of the evil one. It's really important that we use the key right. Otherwise, nothing is going to shift and nothing is going to change. In Mark 12 verse 30, it says, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, which is your imagination, your soul, which is your feelings, your mind, which is your reasoning and thinking, and your strength, which is your body. And so when we use the keys of heaven, we bind people to the imagination, the heart of Jesus. We bind them to the mind of Christ. We bind them to the soul, the emotions of Jesus, and we bind them to the strength of Jesus. And we loose their heart from that which has influenced their imagination. And we loose their mind from that which has taken a hold of their reasoning. And we loose their emotions from that is which, is which is controlling their emotions. The God of this world, the rulers of darkness of this age, the hosts of wickedness in high places, we loose them from that. We loose them from the powers that have placed them under judgment. And we bind them to Jesus. We loose them from demonic forces, we bind them to Jesus. If you know that they are under the influence of drugs, you loose them from drugs and you bind them to Jesus. If you know that they're under the influence of lustful behavior, you loose them from lustful behavior and you bind them to Jesus. That's the prayer. God, I bring so-and-so before you. I loose them from the demonic forces that have been influencing their thought patterns and I bind them, heart, soul, mind, and strength, to Jesus. Those are the keys, friends. And the Bible says wherever two or more agree, it will be established. So we come to set the captives free and we pray that their neural paths will be changed and transformed, that they will start thinking different thoughts. Um, John 10, 10 says that Jesus is the gate and that um, the enemy comes to seal, to kill and destroy. But if you come in and you go out, and I'm paraphrasing here, John 10 verse 9 and 10 says, I am the gate. Those who come and those who come in will find pasture. Those who come in and go out will find pasture. The enemy comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. The enemy is at the gate. The enemy is sitting at the very entrance place of worship and entrance place into the fullness of God. And if we don't go through the gate and enter into the fullness of God, he sits at that gate coming to steal, to kill, and to destroy. And that is the gate of the tabernacle of David. It's, it's the tabernacle of worship. Psalm 100 tells us that we go into, we enter into his gates with thanksgiving in our heart. 
we enter into his courts with praise. And then we go deeper into the tabernacle of worship through Tehillah praise, high praise. And that's when we enter into the holy place and we are with Jesus. And then through worship, through the intimacy of tarrying, worship, we enter into the holy place, holy of holies with our Father in heaven. And so many people are always under demonic onslaught. And friends, it's because they're sitting on the outside of the gate. They're sitting in the kingdom of darkness. They right at the gate, they, they have met Jesus, they have encountered Jesus, but they do not enter into their secret place. They do not enter into that place in, in Psalm 91 where they are under the shadow of the Almighty. They are not abiding in the vine. They are there at the gate, but they're not entering in. And because they're at the gate, they come under onslaught all the time because the enemy sits at the gate to steal, to kill, and to destroy. So it's really important that if you see somebody like that, that you use the keys of heaven to pray for them. If they come to the place of repentance, and true repentance says that they change the way that they live according to 2 Corinthians 7, and I think it's verse 10. They change. True repentance is a 180 degree turning about. If they come to the place that they want prayer, they would need somebody to pray for them where they have to confess repent and have nothing more to do with it. If they've been involved with Eastern philosophies, they have to destroy everything that they've got as far as books go, exercises go, any involvement. If they've been involved with things like aromatherapy, they've got to break away from it. Aromatherapy is one of the things that comes through the nose gates and it's known as a gateway into the darkness. It is a, it is a gate into the kingdom of darkness. So is yoga a gate into the kingdom of darkness. And the third thing that is a gate into the kingdom of darkness is dacha. All three of those things are literally the gateway into um, under the control of rulers of darkness of this age, and they're the quickest way to get in. And that is why they use them as rich dacha as a ritual drug. Many, many, many of the the people that are involved in witchcraft and occultism use dacha as a ritual drug to enter in. And um, aromatherapy has the same sort of thing. It blocks, causes a block, it causes a blinding, it causes an inability to see. And yoga is the quickest way to enter into Hinduism. And Hinduism is um, idolatry, false gods, and defiled gods before our Father. So it's really important that as a Christian, when somebody comes for prayer, that this is where they confess their sins one to another, James 5, 16, and they repent and they get prayed for. The Bible says that if you are sick, you'll be made well, and if you've sinned, you will be forgiven. And it's vital that they then destroy everything, everything that has had to do with the control that rulers of darkness of this age have had over them. This is the same control that pornography puts over people's lives because it, it comes through the eye gate. And remember... It's an addiction, it wants to control their mind, it wants to control their thinking, their neural paths and the way that they see life and they are blinded, they cannot see what they are doing and they have been taken captive. So their feet are bound, their hands are bound and their eyes are shut. And the way that we pray for them is keys of, the keys of heaven is if you're praying for somebody to come into, into freedom and if they have come to the place of repentance, they need to be prayed for by others. With hosts of wickedness, you can pray on your own. But for this, you have to go to somebody where you confess and you repent and you denounce and you destroy 
anything that had to do with it and you walk away from and in some cases you have to change your friendship circle very important to understand now if you are dreaming about bullets or about flies or about hornets or about anything like that in a dream God is showing you that hosts of wickedness are you are coming under the onslaught of hosts of wickedness if you're dreaming about snakes God is showing you that you've come under the influence of rulers of darkness of this age and the color of the snake will tell you exactly what type of influence you've fallen under. It was a snake that deceived Eve. So rulers of darkness of this age are deceiving demons. They're snakes, they come against the mind and the color will indicate. Now just a very quick indication of color. If it's a white snake, it means false piety, false holiness, false purity. It appears so, but it isn't. If it is a black snake, it's witchcraft. If it's a green snake, it's compromise. If it is a brown snake, it's flesh. If it is a gold snake, it's false glory. If it is a silver snake, it's false, uh, false redemption. Um, what other colors can I think of very quickly? If it's a red snake, it's rage and anger. If it's a blue snake, it's a, it's a false spirit. The Holy Spirit is blue. And it's also false revelational knowledge. It's, it's eating revelational knowledge out of the wrong kingdom. So those are those two. So the so um, host of wickedness, we can just resist and change atmospheres. Rulers of darkness of this age, we have to confess our sins one to another and pray for each other that he is just to forgive us our, our sin. And the prayer of a, of a righteous man availeth much. Now, if... People do not deal with it at that level. They come into the next level. And this is the level of powers. Now, powers are demonic judges, and they put people into prison. Now, the trouble with being in prison is that you're in prison because the demons are keeping you in prison, the judges are, but also you've joined with others that are in the same prison for the same thing. Now, you know when somebody has moved into a prison because they are surrounded by people that think like them, live like them, walk like them, talk like them. And then not only are they kept in the prison of the demons, but they're kept in the prison of the family, in inverted commas, that they are now choosing to live with. And this is where gangs come in. Gangs are under powers. They're under demonic judges, magistrates, and demonic control in prisons. Covens, cliques, bloodlines, clubs secret societies like Freemasons. Now, <clears throat> wherever there is, wherever there are powers, there's usually some form of blood involved. So that is why the bloodline keeps you under the control of a power or any blood sacrifices or any time where people have made oaths or they've done anything that's gone into secrecy, they've been put into the prison of judgment. Now, the other thing that puts us under the control of these demons of judgment who judge us. You know, so many people say God is judging you. God hasn't started judging anybody. God is on the mercy seat and he's still offering mercy and grace to the world. He's still, he's still living under the anointing of I've given my son so that you can get to know me. But we can place ourselves under judgment. And the way we do this is when we judge others. It says in, in Matthew 7, do not judge or you like it will be judged. And the same measure that you judge with, it will be judged back to you. That is placing ourselves under judgment. If we have ought in our heart and we break bread, we will then put ourselves under judgment. The Bible says it's because um, you've broken bread and have not considered the body. And that means the bigger body of Christ. <clears throat> Sorry. Many of you are weak and some of you are sick. 
and some of you have fallen asleep or died. That's 1 Corinthians 11 from about verse 29. And so we have to see that the moment that we judge others, we place ourselves into the prison of judgment and we give the powers, the legal right to judge us, to put us prisoner, and they literally can kill us. How do you know when you are under the influence of these demons? Well, in dreams, God will often speak to you about a python, a python that's coming to attack or has attacked you. This is the Leviathan spirit so many people are always talking about. This is where powers, they are area demons, they control areas, they control bloodlines, as I've said before. And um, where, where you start dreaming about these things, this is where they are operating. They've made people prisoner, they have attacked them, and they cannot get out of that prison, and they have the right to kill you. They attach themselves to the mind or to the thought patterns and then they literally like a python, they start encircling around you and they start crushing you. You know that you are, you are under the onslaught of a python because your mind starts feeling confused, you are exhausted, you can't rise up, you can't think clearly, you lose vision, you lose direction, you get hopeless, you get distressed and you literally start feeling your lifeblood leaving you. Uh, people often get all kinds of autoimmune diseases and they start battling with all kinds of sicknesses that they can't actually find the cause for and ultimately they literally can kill you. The, the Word of God says that the enemy comes and he can kill, steal and destroy and this is where our predestined length of life has been cut short because we've placed ourselves under a python spirit or under a power. Now for this freedom of this, this is when we have to go into the courts of heaven this is when we have to come before our Father in heaven and we have to repent for every legal right that the enemy has found to keep us a prisoner under his judging powers. And if he can find a way to do that, he will do that and he will not let you go. And the only way that we can be set free of this is through repentance. Through repentance for where he found the doorway in the bloodline. Repentance of the secret um, oaths that were taken. Repentance of the blood that was shed. Repentance of every single thing that was done either by ourselves or by our predecessors that have never been repented for that placed us under the control of powers. Hosts of wickedness cause our hearts to be broken. Rulers of darkness of this age take us captive and blind us. Powers attach to our emotions and put us into prison. If you imagine it, you'll think it. If you think it, you will feel it. And ultimately, you will become it. At this point of time, the, the demon that attached to our imagination in hosts of wickedness that grew and attached to our thinking, his bigger brothers in rulers of darkness of this age, have now come and taken control of so much of the person's soul that they are imagining according to it, they are thinking according to it, and they are behaving according to the demon that has now taken a habitation in their soul. Demons cannot touch our spirit. Our spirit, our spirit man is opened when we get born again, and the Holy Spirit fills that. But they take a hold of our soul, and our soul is made up of our imagination, of our reasoning and thinking, of our feelings and our emotions. And they come in and they take a hold of our soul, and you literally watch them growing. You know, if a person gets offended at church, you see the person who's the first one there, the last one to leave, and pouring their lives out for, for the church and the people in the church. 
and suddenly something happens that offends them. That is the fiery dart of the hosts. And they do not deal with that offense, and it starts growing. The rulers of darkness can come in and blind them. And suddenly you see they're not so early in arriving anymore, and they're not the last to leave anymore, and there's just a slight attitude change. But if they don't deal with it then, they will move under the demonic power and suddenly you will find that they'll be gathering with other offended Christians, first sign, because they've gathered a family, a counterfeit family, a demonic family. And the second thing is they will start grumbling and they will start speaking according to what is going on in their emotions. And they will suddenly become an offended person. And that person won't be long, but they will not be there anymore because they will have to go and join the false family that I have now found. Now, it says in Ephesians 13 verse 10, that it is through the church the manifold wisdom of God is made known to the principalities and the powers. As individual people, we do not touch principalities and powers. We do not have that authority. But through the church, the true family of God, when the church comes together to worship, to pray, to repent, to prophesy, to declare, to stand in the authority of the lampstand that they've been given, to shine the light on the hill, to stand as one, united, and they start making a stand. The area demons, the prince, the powers are pushed back and the principalities are pushed back and the heavens are opened. And it is through the church that God releases his authority against principalities and powers. When Daniel was praying for the area and for what was going on with Nebuchadnezzar, he prayed for three weeks and God sent angels um, Gabriel and Michael to come and fight the Prince of Persia and the Prince of Greece that were the, the principalities that were controlling at that point of time. And when we look at the, our countries today, we see that our countries are under principalities, demonic princes. And you see the principality of witchcraft, you see the principality of lawlessness, the principality of rebellion, the bloodthirsty, the violence, all these things which are the authority of the principality we cannot come as individuals or even as intercessors and, and pray against principalities and powers. Every time we do that, it's like you coming with a pellet gun and saying, I rebuke or I come against the principality and the principality comes over the hill with a massive big tanker and just annihilates everything in front of it. And every time that people attack or, or, or trying to address principalities and powers, they are increasing the demonic onslaught because they've gone beyond their authority. But where the church comes together and the church prays and the church repents and the church worships, one of our greatest weapons of warfare against principalities and powers is worship. While we worship, God releases his angels. And so it's really, really important to know it's not our war. We do not fight principalities and powers. We worship and we ask God to release his mighty angels. And then we get into agreement with what the angels are doing. And God opens the heavens and pushes back the influence of the principalities and the powers over the nations and over the area. Now, when somebody has got caught under the power of the principality, as I said, number one, they have to go into the courts and pray according to the courts of heaven. 
Um, and this is when people pray with them, repent with them. The power of the blood of Jesus is the only thing that renders them free of the influence once they have repented. And the enemy loses any form of control that he might have had over them as they repent, as they release the legal right the enemy had found because of the fact that the door had been opened, as they break free of the influence of the friends, as they place themselves under counseling, under accountability, under the guidance, under discipling of the church, and also as they place themselves in a place of accountability for their emotions. People that are under the control of powers are incredibly emotionally led. And the Bible says if you're led by the flesh, then you are under law. But if you're led by the Spirit, there is no law that can come against those that are led by the Spirit. And for more about that is Romans 8. And so that is how we fight. Hosts of wickedness, we resist the devil and he will flee. Rulers of darkness of this age, we use the keys to help others to see. And then it is confess and repent. And they come into freedom. Powers, if people are under the influence of powers, you also pray for them that they will be able to see according to the keys of heaven prayers. Once they're ready to be to repent, they have to go into the courts of heaven before the Father and repent for every single door that's been opened that gave the enemy the legal right. They also have to break free of the counterfeit family they were involved with and they need deliverance. This is when you see people needing deliverance, demons having to be set free because they are under, they are demon oppressed. They have demons controlling them, but they also have demons living in them. And they need to be set free. They need deliverance. If this does not happen, they will go right back under the principalities and they will be exactly where they started before they knew Jesus. They are now mastered. If they imagine it, they'll think it. If they think it, they'll feel it. If they feel it, they will become it. And Hebrews 6 verse 4 to 6 and Hebrews 10 verse 25 to 31 says, that if you continue to sin, paraphrasing, if you choose to sin, no power of the blood is left because you have cheapened the power of the blood. And this is when people can go right back to where they were and they literally can lose their salvation. So our work as sons and daughters of God is to recognize where people are at and to pray them into freedom, not to condemn them, not to reject them, but to love them and to pray them into freedom. Once they've made the decision, you can identify where they are at. And that is why the Bible says that if you are sick, go to the elders and let them anoint them you and pray over you. Because the role of those that have been anointed to be able to govern the church is an increased ability to discern. They can discern whether people are controlled by powers or whether they're controlled by rulers of darkness of this age or whether they are controlled by hosts of wickedness or whether they are sick purely because they've just come under the onslaught of something physical. Because sicknesses have three levels of sicknesses. And um, I'm not talking about that today. But we've been anointed to be able to heal in three levels. Jesus said, heal the brokenhearted, set the captives free, release from prison those that are prisoners. Hosts of wickedness in high places, rulers of darkness of this age, and powers. We have authority over that. We just have to help people. But when it comes to powers and principalities, we do not address them. We do not fight them. We do not rebuke them. We do not send them anywhere. We don't even call them by name. 
we just get the church together to worship, to pray, to celebrate, to pronounce, to declare, to prophesy, to open the heaven and let the King of Glory come in. Bless you guys abundantly. I trust this has been meaningful and I trust this will empower you to be able to do what God's called you to do. Amen.